Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week we're talking about faith, belief, and the invitation of Jesus to see the world anew. By day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my life. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. What do you believe? I don't know about you, but I get this question a lot. Maybe it's because I'm a priest. I don't know. But people ask me this a lot. Or what does the Episcopal Church believe? We're very concerned about belief, especially people who are not yet a part of the Christian movement. They're often asking, what is it you believe? Because there's an idea that they have to believe the same thing, that we all must share the same set of facts before we can move forward and do anything else. And and they have good reason to think this because the church has been really focused on belief 
for a really long time, for like 2,000 years, a long time. And we've, we've argued about it. And Christians have gotten to the point in our history where those who have had different sets of facts have warred against each other and killed one another because they didn't share that same belief. And I find this really curious because belief is one of the things that Jesus hardly ever talks about. When Jesus tells the story about the sheep and the goats and the final judgment about those who are on his left who are the goats and those on his right who are the sheep, and the sheep go on to, I guess, heaven, you would say, and the, and the goats go to the outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus never says there, if you get all the facts about me right, then you can be on this side. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you treat people in need the way you would treat me, you get to be a sheep. If you ignore people who are in need, that's the same as ignoring me. You're a goat. And though the church has been really focused on belief and teaching belief, knowing who Jesus is, accepting that he's the Son of God, that he's part of a, a trinity of persons that we name God, and, and if you can say all of the things in the Nicene Creed correctly, but it doesn't change your life, then I'm here to tell you your belief doesn't really matter because even Satan believes in Jesus. Jesus calls us instead not into belief, but in the faith. And this letter from Hebrews begins that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That Jesus, in his lifetime, offers us promises. And it's those promises that hold us together. Those promises are the, the bedrock, the foundation of Christian faith. And, and there are three, I think, three primary promises that Jesus makes. And the first promise that Jesus makes is that he will be with us always, even unto the end of the ages, he says. Although it's rather curious because Jesus delivers this, that saying that he will be with us always, just as he leaves at the ascension. And so it's true, Jesus is not with us bodily. He's with the Father. But the love that Jesus had for us never departs. And where Jesus is now looking down on us, that love is still active and powerful. And St. Paul tells us in the letter to the Romans that nothing Nothing on heaven or earth, no power, no principality, no anything can separate us from the love of God. And that was Jesus' life. Jesus' life was the embodiment of God's love, love that goes even to the shame and the scandal of God's execution on the cross delivered through the resurrection. That that love can't be taken away. God loves you. Not if you're perfect, not if you're good, 
Not if you believe right. But because you are. God loves you. The second promise that Jesus offers us is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the guide. Jesus tells his disciples, there is more things that I need to tell you, but you're not ready. So I will send the Holy Spirit to guide you, to teach you, to lead you. And that gift of the Holy Spirit still is with us. It resides in each of us. We celebrate in baptism the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in all of us. That sacrament points to the Holy Spirit's inhabitation of ourselves. And the Holy Spirit continues to guide and to lead the church into ever deeper relationship with God, into an understanding of its mission. Its mission is to tell the story of Jesus and to continue the work that Jesus did in his lifetime. And the Holy Spirit will guide us into what that work will be and will equip us with the knowledge and the gifts and the abilities that we need to accomplish the task God has given us. So Jesus has promised to be with us always, to never let anything get in the way of God's love. Jesus has promised to give us the Holy Spirit to guide us in our mission and our ministry. And the third promise that Jesus has given us is the promise of the resurrection. That even mortal death does not end our existence with God. And we have this promise that even though our lives end and the lives of those we love end, that that is not the final word. That the final word for us is not death, but life, abundant life. And the promise of the resurrection is offered so that when we act and do Christ's ministry and do Christ's mission, that whatever barriers we encounter should not hold us back, that we should respond to the world with love, just as Jesus did. And just as the cost to Jesus of responding to the world in love was the crucifixion, so too we may find setbacks, Maybe martyrdom, although I, I pray that that is not the fate of any of us here. But Jesus tells us that don't be afraid. He says it again in this passage. He says it over and over. Do not be afraid. Because fear is not of God. And when we act out of fear, only bad things happen. That we are called to act instead out of hope, out of love. And so these three promises, the promise of God's unconditional love, the promise of the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and the promise of the resurrection which frees us from fear, these three form the core of faith. Faith, as I said, Hebrews begins, this passage begins with that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. These promises are the things that we hope for. And the invitation to us in the life of faith is to live as though all of those promises had already been delivered. That we may anticipate the coming of Christ in some other age, or we may anticipate our own um, heavenly sojourn. Jesus' interest 
is in how we live life now. And it's not because we have to do good so that we can be rewarded at the end, but because we are called in the faith to work together to live and become the people we were created to be. At the very beginning, God created the entire cosmos and universe, brought forth the human race, and called it good. We were created good. But because of our fear, we often find ourselves being not good. We live in a society with systemic ills, things like like racism, which has exploded into deadly violence in this last week. We live with things like homophobia, which drives young people to commit suicide because they feel unloved and separated from, from those who might care for them. It leads us to ills like, like sexism, which says that half of our population is somehow not worthy, not good enough, not good. But Jesus promises us a different way, a different way of seeing the world and an invitation to live in that new kingdom. In the passage about Abraham, where they lived on the promises that God gave them, a man who was near death and a barren woman who would become the progenitors of a great number of people. They held on to that faith and they didn't live in a settled place because they were always waiting to live in that heavenly city. That's the kingdom of God that we're invited to live into, just like Abraham was. And that when we respond in faith and we live as though those promises were already delivered to us, we make the kingdom of God manifest in the world. That people will know that they are loved. People will know that they are worthy. People will know that there aren't any real and meaningful divisions amongst humanity. Because we are good. We are fundamentally made good. And then when we hold on to these promises and we cast aside fear, Scripture reminds us that nothing can stand against us, not even the gates of hell. That through faith we can transform the world. We can make it more like the kingdom of God as we continue to wait for the return of Jesus. And that is ultimately our mission so that everyone that we encounter knows because of things we've said, because of things we've done, that they too are good, that they are loved, that they are inheritors of the promise, and that they too can live in the kingdom of God. Amen.